You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates, flying solo for most of this week. Matt Moore is on vacation. He's maxing and relaxing and not freaking out over the Denver Nuggets as they get blown out by the Phoenix Suns, 122-105, in a game that I thought was very competitive for all but maybe four minutes. There was a four-minute stretch in, the, in this game in which Denver, you know, Phoenix goes on a 16-0 run. Denver loses by 17 points, so that 16-0 run was just obviously crucial, decided the game. And it wasn't just that. I think the entire last 18 minutes or so of this game were really bad for Denver. And they're sort of indicative of what the challenges of playing against the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix is a very smart team, a very smart team and a very disciplined team. George Carl, I saw on Twitter, called them a very connected team. I think that's accurate. You know, George Carl loves that word connection, and I love it too, because what it really means, what he means by connection is a team that understands how to work together, offense and defense. Defense, that would be a defense that is on a string, meaning every guy is rotating and reading each other and in sync with what they're supposed to do. And then offensively, they're a, a group that knows where the next pass is supposed to be. They're always together in not just the play that is happening, but the next play that's about to happen. The uh, They're always one step ahead sort of collectively. And Denver... I thought did a great job, really went toe-to-toe with them for the first half of this game, and then for half of the second quarter, about five, six minutes into the, into the, or into the second half, Denver looked great. They looked every bit their equal, but once they started missing shots, Denver that is, and once the defensive focus and execution waned a little bit, then the floodgates absolutely opened, and that's the difficulty with the Phoenix Suns is... If you start making mistakes, they punish you. I've likened this Phoenix Suns team to a San Antonio Spurs team, a team that is also great at taking advantage of mistakes. Do they make heroic shots? Sometimes, yeah. But for the most part, what they do is they just steady, consistent. They make very few mistakes. But if you make mistakes, they punish you for it. And I thought that was the story. So how I want to do this show tonight without Matt Moore is I want to go through and talk about some of the positives and some of the negatives of the game uh, in segments two and three and uh, kind of that, that way we can kind of look and isolate the things that work. And then with the negatives, obviously focusing in on what did not work and, and talk about how you can alter those. But first, just kind of a quick recap of how this game went down. Denver came out off to a phenomenal start. They got a big contribution from Michael Porter Jr. early, knocking down a couple of three pointers, a couple of very nice contested baskets. Um, you know, we joke a lot about Michael Porter not having a lot of great moves and how difficult it is to get him open. But when he is open or when he gets a mismatch, he's able to elevate over the defense and and knock down those shots as well as anybody. And in that first quarter and really in that first half, I thought he did a great job of that. And he was a very much a positive impact player in that one. So Michael Porter going early. I thought Nikola Jokic had a really good sort of pace to him in this game early. Uh, going at DeAndre Ayton. He knocks down a couple threes. He's in the post. He's running. Uh, he did a great job of getting out in transition in this game and creating switches. One thing that was different for Phoenix than what we saw against Portland was Phoenix was a lot quicker to switch defensively. You know, Portland was was not about that. They weren't helping off of Jokic. They weren't doing any of the, anything like that. But tonight, you saw a lot of possessions with cross matches in transition or just a lot of like, 
pick and rolls and double staggers where, where Phoenix seemed content to have somebody else switch onto Aaron Gordon, onto Nikola Jokic. And so Jokic was getting in the post against Booker and, you know, uh, Bridges and, and people like that, just a lot more than what we saw against Portland. And Denver, for the most part, early did a good job of taking advantage of that. Aaron Gordon in this game was also fantastic. I think he was probably the player on the Nuggets roster who most played you know, above his expectations. There was a lot of guys that played below it, but I thought Aaron Gordon played above it and did some really nice things. First of all, defensively guarding Devin Booker, and I thought he did a great job. Devin Booker finishes with 21 points, which is low for him. He does shoot 8 of 12 from the field, but he had to work for those 8 points. He also had 5 turnovers, and I thought a lot of the um, you know, the points that he had were not on Aaron Gordon, but in transition or, you know, after a switch on somebody else. But Aaron Gordon, when he was on him, had a couple very nice defensive possessions, including including a play in the first half where final possession for Phoenix in the first half I, out on an island against Booker. Booker makes about six moves. Aaron Gordon doesn't fall for any of them and then ends up blocking him on the perimeter basically like a block steal where he blocked it so hard that he actually just stole the ball. It was a fantastic 10 out of 10 elite defensive play from Aaron Gordon. Um, so I thought he, I thought he did some really great things. And then, you know, Denver had a game plan in this one to really go at Gordon in the post. And I think it was because they knew one, if, if, you're going to guard Booker a lot. You're probably going to get matched up the other direction. And I think Denver wanted to make Booker work, try to wear him down, but also just the physical difference between Aaron Gordon, who's stronger than he looks and Devin Booker, who is a tall guard, but a guard nonetheless, you know, that's a big size and strength advantage for Denver. And they were going to Gordon a lot. And I thought he delivered in this game about as well, if not better than what you can expect for him going forward on those types of plays. He also hit the glass. He had three offensive rebounds. Those might've all been on one possession. Um, but you know, those three offensive rebounds is, are big. Denver in the first half of this game did a great job of living off of second chance points, stretching the Phoenix Suns defense out and then punishing them once they were, you know, stretched beyond the paint. Uh, Aaron Gordon was a big part of that. I thought Compazzo, especially on rewatch, I had a chance to kind of quickly go through it a second time. And I thought Compazzo really stood out in a positive way defensively. He just was everywhere, making a bunch of hustle plays. He had two steals, six assists, four rebounds, 14 points. He shoots five of nine, including three of six from the three-point line. You know, Chris Paul got going in the in, and really closed this game in the fourth quarter after um, Phoenix had gotten some momentum aside from Chris Paul, but Chris Paul closed the door with a brilliant fourth quarter. But, you know, I thought, especially on second watch, I thought Compazzo did a very nice job and, and was more comfortable in this game than he had been in previous ones. There's still going to be, Denver's going to need him to score at the rim, and there was a couple high-profile moments when he had opportunities to and just couldn't convert, and so that sticks out. But I think on the whole, Compazzo is one of those players that played pretty well. Austin Rivers is not one of those players that played well. Denver needed some scoring and just really some creation. So much of what's difficult with Denver right now, not having Murray or Barton or Dozier, three of your best off the dribble creators, is that you need somebody to just kind of mix up and scramble the defense besides Jokic. And there were several plays tonight, especially during the collapse, where Aaron Gordon, or I'm sorry, where Austin Rivers got the ball with an opportunity to attack the basket and try to create something, and he just couldn't. And so maybe that was just an off night. A lot of guys had an off night, but he didn't contribute offensively in that way. And, and, and you know, Denver really needs to find somebody that can kind of mix things up. The bench was great in the first half. They came in, uh, you know, it's weird. Denver, to start the first quarter, got off to a hot start. 
to start, start the second quarter with the bench unit got off to a great start and to start the third quarter with the starters again got off to another great start so they started every single quarter very well and that second unit in particular to open up the second quarter was just absolutely dominant they were everywhere um you got jermichael green grabbing rebounds knocking down threes he goes two of three from the three-point line paul Millsap hits a three i believe in the second half so you just had big contributions and you put I thought Phoenix on their heels early in this game, and a lot of that was because of the second unit. But, of course, this was a story of two halves. In the second half, after Denver extended their lead to the biggest lead of the game, a 10-point lead about halfway through the third quarter, the wheels came off. And when they came off, they came off quickly. 16-0 run. This was with Jokic on the court. I think Michael Porter might have been off of the court for this first run. I can't remember if he was on or off. I think he was off when Denver had made their first substitution. They go up 10, make their first substitution, and then Denver just couldn't score. They went uh, they went cold. Jokic in particular went cold. I don't know if it was fatigue. He looked a little fatigued. He looked a little out of his sorts. He looked a little bit confused and, you know, second guessing was he supposed to shoot. He had one runner where he kind of jumped sideways. He might have gotten hit on the arm or something and expected a foul. And he throws up kind of an awkward runner um, and then looks through the official. But he just was off shooting short, um, missing bunnies, missing rebounds and then just missing assignments. And um, because of how stagged or how cold Denver went on one end of the court, Phoenix started to get a rhythm. They had been a little clunky, not super clunky, but they'd been a little clunky in the first half and a little clunky to start the third quarter. But once Denver went cold and once they started to feel good about themselves with some great passing, some big shot making and the getting a rhythm, it snowballed. And you saw that crowd come to life. And you even just saw Phoenix. You could kind of feel, especially on rewatch, this really pumped out. You felt their confidence rising. And all of a sudden, you got everybody knocking down three-pointers. Bridges was unconscious. He goes 8 of 12 from the field, 4 of 8 from the three-point line. You got Chris Paul, who catches fire in the fourth. I'll talk about him in a second. Um, you had Cameron Payne, who I thought had a fantastic game. And Torrey Craig even knocking down a, couple of, a pair of three-pointers. He goes 2 of 5. They just got rolling, feeling good about themselves. And it was play after play after play where they were scoring and it all led to that 16-0 run. And then in the final frame, the fourth quarter, Chris Paul did what Chris Paul does, which is absolutely slam the door shut. He had 21 points, most of those coming in the fourth quarter. He had 11 assists, six rebounds, and he was just absolutely brilliant down the stretch. Denver didn't really have anybody that could guard him, and he was very comfortable. Now, he hit some hero shots. There had been much talk about his shoulder and how sore it was and, and how he would, you know, what, is he 100%? I don't know if he's 100% because he did get off to an awfully slow start, but he sure was 100% in that fourth quarter as he had a classic and masterful performance in the fourth to close the door on Denver. So Denver loses this one. I think if you step back and look big picture at it, one, Denver always loses game one, so it's almost not surprising. This definitely felt like a feel-it-out game early on, um, and then when Phoenix hit the turbo button, Denver just had no turbo button left and they fall down but it really came down to that run in the third quarter more than anything where Denver goes from a 10-point lead to a nine-point deficit all in the span of just four or five minutes and that was truly the game Chris Paul closed the door but the door was able to be slammed shut in large part because of the collapse Denver had in that third quarter we'll take our first break on the other side though we'll start to get into some of the positives and then we'll finish with some of the negatives and talk about what Denver can do about it I'm going to take a break and tell you about Credit Karma. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With Credit Karma Money Spend Account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. 
Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, uh, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Also brought to you by rockauto.com. There's an ever-increasing number of makes and models. It's now impossible to stock all of the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Thankfully, there's rockauto.com that gives you access to an incredible supply of auto parts, uh, everything that you might need for your daily driver, classic, whatever, they got it all online, which means you have access to them on your desktop or right there in your pocket with your smartphone when you visit rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to rockauto.com right now and don't forget to use Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Back here on the Locked On Nuggets podcast, today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 grams of carbs, 95 calories, we can all enjoy the game just a little bit more. Check out Michelob Ultra. Um, We're now going to get into segment two, and I want to talk about some of the positives. This will be a shorter segment. Segment three will be a little bit longer because it'll be on the negatives of this game, and there are numerous ones. But number one, I thought Aaron Gordon looked fantastic in this game. And his defense is really a revelation because I knew he was good, but he provides some elite defense on some awfully good players. And tonight it was Devin Booker. And I know people will look at the stat sheet and say, Devin Booker, he shot well, but I'm telling you, he had to work for his points. A lot of those points he got were not on Aaron Gordon. They were not the result of like Aaron Gordon getting cooked. He had a lot of elite on-ball possessions. He had some great help side possessions. There was an alley-oop thrown to DeAndre Ayton tonight that was nine times out of ten. That's a slam dunk. He comes from the weak side and basically blocks the oop attempt. It was a fantastic defensive play. And then on the offensive end, he just was aggressive. He looked comfortable. He he has that athleticism, and I talk a lot about he doesn't always use it. Tonight, he used his strength. Maybe not necessarily his verticality, like his ability to play above the rim, but he used his strength to his advantage and was really bullying guys. And I just thought Aaron Gordon looked very good tonight. It was one of the better games he has played as a Denver Nugget. Um, Offensively, he was able to do some stuff. And one of the things that I think is important, I don't know how sustainable it is the way he played in the post. I'm curious to see how Phoenix adjusts now, knowing that Denver might try to go do that. Maybe they won't adjust. Maybe they feel like that's okay. You know, Aaron Gordon's not going to go. He went for, what, 18 points tonight. It's not like he went off for 30. Um, But one thing that I like about it is it does allow 
the Nuggets need to find possessions where Jokic can rest on offense. And when I say rest, I just mean not do everything. He still be involved, space the floor, maybe go for rebounds, maybe whatever, set screens. But some plays where he doesn't have to be the engine. He's the engine right now 100% of the time. Even Chris Paul, one of the best point guards of all time, is not the engine of the Phoenix Suns offense 100% of the time. They have great creators on their team that play alongside him, including Devin Booker, including Cam Payne, who will share minutes with him. So they're guys that sort of carry that load and that burden for him. Uh, Jokic right now without Jamal Murray is just doing so much on the offensive end that maybe being able to go to Gordon in the post, I'll buys him a few possessions here or there. I think still think Denver needs to find somebody else, maybe in the form of Will Barton and a return possibly. Uh, but I think Denver needs to find somebody else that can contribute. Uh, but Gordon tonight, he was that guy for, for certain parts of it. And I thought he was very good, very promising. I thought Faku's defense and help side defense in particular was incredible. Um, you know, the Suns are that team that punish you for making mistakes. Faku makes up for a lot of Denver's mistakes on defense. He just plays at a different level than everybody else. And he's scrambling. He's flying around. He's making rotations. He's giving multiple effort. He never stops giving effort on the defensive end. And that makes up for a lot of sins. And in this game, you know, he couldn't make up for the amount of sins that Denver made on the defensive end in the second half. But he did make up for an awful lot of them throughout the game, including and especially in the first half. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that one. Um, the first half, and actually you could even say you all of this game up until the collapse happened, but when you go back and rewatch that game, the first, you know, 30 minutes of it, Denver looks every much, in fact, I would say Denver looked like the better team for the first 30 minutes of it. Denver had the unfortunate, um, if, if you go back and look at some of the like key defensive sequences in the first half, I thought Denver had four or five sequences where they played elite defense and Phoenix scored anyway off of a sort of a Hail Mary. Like they had multiple Hail Marys sort of fall for him. And then Denver had a lot of momentum shots, a lot of Monte Morris. We'll talk about him in the final segment. Monte Morris had a lot of just shots that you think, okay, he makes at least 40% of these 35, 40%. He just didn't make any of them tonight. Um, so I think that in, in Jokic at the rim, a couple bunnies, a couple great post moves, got himself open and then just missed shots that you're kind of surprised anytime he misses them. So I think Denver in that first half, you look at it, you look back at it and you think, you know what? Denver looked very good, very competent, very capable of hanging with uh, Phoenix. And then the wheels came off and they got absolutely demolished. So there's some silver lining. You know, we don't know the answer. Is Denver more the first half team or are they the, the second half team? We don't know the answer to that. But at least we know that tonight there was a first half team that looked like they could be competent. Uh, against a team that is clearly better than them and has more more talent overall, you know, spread across everybody, uh, at least with all the injuries Denver has. Um, Michael Porter Jr.'s three-point shooting is encouraging. I, I'm i not encouraged by the fact that he has such a hard time getting open that his footwork's still on these handoffs. Like half of the threes he took tonight were off balance and footwork wasn't right and he still goes up or whatever. But in that first half, like when he's open, man, he's just an absolute bucket. And when he gets switches, he's a bucket. And... Um, you know, now it's just a matter of, can he find ways to get open better? And can the team find ways to get him open better? We've been saying the same stuff, I think for, for months, you know, it's clearly the weakness in his game and he has a lot of work to sort of do, but every time he is open, like he knocks it down. I mean, he's of all the guys that are on the court, Devin Booker included, Michael Porter is the guy that like, when he gets a clean look, you kind of think, oh, that's great. The problem is he just doesn't get that many clean looks. Um, another thing, and this is not a small thing, but Jokic's rim running, I thought, was huge in this game. DeAndre Ayton just got done playing Andre Drummond, you know, kind of a slow lumbering big. 
Jokic was sprinting up and down the court in this game and creating a lot of mismatches, and DeAndre Ayton was finding himself not on Jokic a lot more than, say, Nurkic was switched off of Jokic. Denver had a hard time getting possessions where Jokic, Nurkic was not on Jokic in that last series. Tonight, there was a lot of those, uh, and I think you have to credit Jokic's rim running for it. He did a very good job of that, created those cross matches, created the mismatches, and Denver was able to score. We talk about, you know, Phoenix is a much better defense than Portland. For most of this game, Denver was scoring at a pretty great rate. It's just that third quarter collapse where everything kind of came crashing down. Going to take our final break here and tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, even UFC, MMA, and whatever the heck that fight was between Jake Paul and uh, Floyd Mayweather. Whatever that, I don't know if you call that a sport, if you call that whatever it is you call that. You can get info on on betonline.ag as well. Before your next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as teams prep for their run through the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget, use promo code LOCKEDON. Final segment here of the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Reminder, Matt Moore is off. I'm taking you solo here today. I just want to remind you about Locked On Today, one of our new podcasts that you can listen to on the Odyssey app, wherever you get podcasts. Locked On Today gives you all of the major story news in under 20 minutes every single day. So basketball, football, baseball, hockey, everything. You're going to get a big like bite-sized amount of information on all of the major storylines from Locked On Today. Check them out on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we're going to talk about the negatives now of this, uh, this game. And there are a lot of them. The number one thing I have on the top of my list here is Denver's pick and roll scheme. There's a little bit of this was left over from the previous, uh, series with Denver going up against Damian Lillard, who of course loves to shoot logo threes, logo Lillard. He loves those 30 foot three pointers. And Denver was extending Jokic on the pick and roll well above the three point line to sort of guard those kind of carried over into this game where I thought Jokic spent a little bit too much time out on the perimeter. And as a result, you know, Phoenix did a very good job. They were clearly prepared for that sort of that defensive scheme. And they did a lot of things to counteract it and to attack it, namely drawing their guards out wide. Well, actually, there's a couple of things. One was drawing their guards out wide. So if you come along the screen, Jokic is out there. He can't let you turn the corner. The guards would go really wide, almost to the baseline, drag Jokic with them, and then kick it back. Uh, so that Denver had to scramble back and then attack the scramble. So rather than attack the pick and roll, they would draw the pick and roll help as far away as they could from their recoveries and then attack the recoveries. And I thought it was a, it, they have the players to do that. It requires smart players and capable players. So you're, it can't just be, you know, I think one of the things Portland ran into was Lillard didn't necessarily trust all of his teammates. And for good reason, not all of his teammates could constantly attack that scramble defense at a high rate. And so the ball stuck in in Lillard's hands a little bit more. Phoenix, very happy to get the ball out of their hands, whether it was Chris Paul or whether it was uh, Devin Booker, you know, dragging the defense one way and then swinging it over and trusting your other guards to make plays. And they did a great job of that. Um, They also set some screens at the center of the court. And I've talked about this on the list before over on thednvr.com. But, you know, if you have a pick and roll on one side or the other, it's 
a lot easier to understand where the help is going to come from. It's coming from the opposite side. When a screen happens at the center of the court, especially with a player in each corner, sometimes you can create a confusion, especially with Michael Porter, about am I the rotation guy or are you the rotation on the other side? And tonight they had a couple of those. You think about that DeAndre Ayton dunk on Michael Porter. That was one that took place in that center court. Denver jumps out high. Michael Porter's unsure if he's the help guy or not. He rotates late and he ends up giving up an and one where he ends up on the other side of a poster. I'm not sure what the answer is. You know, tomorrow I will rewatch the game for now a third time, much slower, really combing through it. And we'll try to look at, okay, what are Denver's options here in the pick and roll? But what I suspect is, is that they will be less aggressive trying to trap and stop the ball handler and be more vulnerable to both Chris Paul and Devin Booker scoring more points. But you want to, what you want to take away if you're Denver is you want to take away all those assists and all of the opportunity to get the ball popping. Phoenix tonight had 30 assists, which is a lot. They they led the NBA in assists, but 30 is even a lot for them. And you have two players, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, both of whom 11 assists for Chris Paul, eight assists for Devin Booker. And that just goes to show you that Denver trapping them and keeping their point totals relatively low, um, but they were still generating great offense on the backside. So I think Denver maybe takes a little bit off, drops Jokic a little bit more so that they don't have to rotate as hard. But there's compromises to that too. Phoenix is a very good team. Again, there's a reason they have, I think, the third best record, second or third best record in all of the NBA, second in the West. They're a very good team. They were healthy all year, so they have that continuity and that chemistry, and they just have a lot of guys that are high IQ players. You have to tip your hat to them. It's going to be tough for Denver to find ways to get stops. Um, Monte Morris, the other negative here, I have, you know, he was abysmal. This is one of the worst games I've ever seen Monte Morris play. And he, Monte Morris, usually old, reliable, Mr. Nugget, he was a minus 28 in this game. Nobody else was higher than a minus 15. He was a minus 28 and he only played 23 minutes. In those 23 minutes, Denver got absolutely ran off of the court. He shot one of 10 from the field, 0 of 4 from the three-point line, and a lot of those were great looks that he just, he wasn't having, he didn't have it tonight. Um, and if you look at the backup point guard matchup, Cam, Cameron Payne, 20 minutes tonight, he has, uh, he's a plus 10, he gets seven points, three assists, two rebounds, but he was just solid, and again, he was part of those big runs, um, so Monte Morris, I don't expect, there There wasn't, even on rewatch, I thought a whole lot you could read into, like, oh, this is where he's getting killed, he just missed a lot of shots, and when you're missing shots, especially when they happen in, in a sequence, in that 16-0 run, when you're missing shots, it compounds, because then you're sprinting back on defense, you're playing scrambled, and, and you're giving up points, and Monte Morris just wasn't able to sort of stop the bleeding for the Nuggets like he usually is for Denver. Austin Rivers, uh, another one of Denver's backcourt, you know, it's funny. Denver got through that first round, and, you know, you're going up against Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, one of the best backcourts in all of the NBA. Denver's got Compazzo and Austin Rivers. Well, you go right in from that first-round matchup. Now, all of a sudden, to Chris Paul, Devin Booker, you level up. And some nights, Denver's guards that they have there, the guys, the Marcus Howards and the Fakus and the Monte Morses and Austin Rivers, some nights they look good. And then some nights they look like tonight and you think like, how on earth does Denver ever win with these guys? Like there's not an elite sort of playmaker or scorer in, in the bunch. Uh, you know, Faku is, I know a lot of people listen to this and say, well, Faku is a great passer and he is a great passer, but at this NBA level, especially in the playoffs, if teams know you're not going to shoot, it makes it difficult for you to be a playmaker because you don't compromise the defense. You don't force the defense to have to do something that they don't want to. So those great passes, they're harder to come by and fewer to come by. And I think that happened. But Austin Rivers tonight goes two of seven from the field, one of four from the three point line, just seven points, four assists, three rebounds. Uh, defensively, I thought he did some nice things, but again, 
got still got cooked. Um, and, and Denver just needs him to be a little bit more. I don't know if asking him to be a better playmaker is fair because I'm not sure if he is a playmaker. I think he's better suited to be just like a, uh, you know, an a ISO score. And if an ISO score doesn't work, then reset the offense rather than ISO score and playmake off of the bounce. I just don't know if that's him. But tonight he really didn't either. Um, Jokic's second half, huge negative. Again, I worry about fatigue just because I thought we saw it in games four, five, and maybe not to a lesser extent, six. I thought Jokic got a burst of energy from knowing it was a closeout and he really played great. But certainly in games four and five, I saw Jokic looking very tired, front rimming a lot of those little jumpers, you know, 10 foot, 15 foot jumpers. And tonight I saw much the same. You start to wonder, has playing in all 72 games and then having to carry so much of the load since Murray went down, you know, he's the only guy that has sprinted this marathon. And I mean that the NBA season's a marathon. Only, I think, nine or 10 guys played in every single game. Jokic is one of them. And then to be carrying the load that he is on offense right now is just really, really tough. So I worry about his second half tonight. Was it just a bad half? Was it just the first game where Jokic ten- tends to be a little bit less aggressive and play with less urgency? I think that we probably should assume it's that, but at least file away that, hey, for the third time in four games, Jokic has looked tired in the second half, and, and and that sticks out. And then Michael Porter, a negative, him still not getting open. It's tough because Michael Porter is so talented. But to envision him having a 35-point game or 40-point game, uh, it's really hard to envision that right now. Not because he's not capable of knocking down shots, but because he's not capable of getting the shots. And that's the thing I look at. You know, we talked about Murray breaking out in the bubble last year and some of the stuff he's done in the playoffs. Murray is just, he can create his own shot. They're difficult shots often. You know, when he's in great shape, he's getting to the rim. He's dunking on guys. He's he's actually getting the easy stuff. But even when he's not in, like, playoff peak bubble form, he's still good at getting those little jittery moves at step backs and getting his shot off. Right now, Michael Porter just isn't able to get even those off because I feel like he's such a good scorer and Denver needs him so bad that if you could count on him to even just get like Murray, get to spots where he could take bad shots, I'd feel good about it. But right now, I'm just not confident that he's capable of having a night where he takes 20, 21, 22 field goal attempts because I just don't know that he's capable of getting that many shots up. So that's concerning. But again, we've talked about it enough that I think everybody listening to this probably goes, yeah, we just probably have to chalk that one up. Not going to happen this year with Michael Porter and, and those types of shots. All in all, you know, I feel okay about this one. I thought Denver... You know, even if they go down 0-2, I don't think it would be that wild to think of Denver still winning the series. Of course, you want to split. It's always your goal when you go on the road against a good team, especially one that's, you know, favored ahead of you in the series. You know, you just want to split. You want to split and then bring it back home and, and reset the series on your own home court. Denver still has an opportunity to do that. And like I said, for all but about 18 minutes of this game, Denver looked like the better team. But that 18 minutes where they didn't look like the better team, they got absolutely rocked. And that's exact. It's not a fluke. That's what Phoenix does to you. You start making mistakes. You start missing shots. They punish you for it. And Denver gave him an opportunity. Phoenix slammed that one home. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget, I will be back again tomorrow and all week with brand new episodes. We'll see you all then.